Welcome to the Spoken Metal Park. Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. I just wanted to say, before we get into the episode proper, thank you. Thank you to everybody that listens to the show, everybody that sends messages and, and, and all the type of feedback that I get is absolutely superb in a world where everybody has a podcast and everybody should have a podcast. I'm really grateful that people listen, are entertained and, and give me some great feedback. I get to listen to some fantastic music that people send me and get suggested all kinds of wonderful artists and there's been some really great suggestions for upcoming shows that i'm going to do now and people I should speak to i did throw it out there on social media uh this bands or anybody that i should be speaking to you know to contact me and we'll, we'll start some dialogue and, and, and get you on the show and the next guest was a, a, a perfect example that's someone who got in touch with me said i have a new album out i'd like to talk about it. i'd like to talk some about, about metal on the show and it was great because it got the chance to go through this person's back catalog and and discover all this great music as well which is just a isn't it the best thing in the world when you find an artist and, and you, you fall down the rabbit hole and listen to all their work and it's and it's great. It's that's such a wonderful thing that can happen. And with this, uh, with my next guest, this was exactly the case. Uh, so my next guest is uh, Titanosaur, which is this wonderful character kind of thing that I saw on 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 Instagram and TikTok. So some of the things I've been wearing dinosaur heads and stuff hence the the intro i did at the beginning of the show I would have put jurassic park music off there but then you know i'm, I'm sure that the, the, the this podcast wouldn't have lasted as much longer if i'd used to use that music but it was that i kind of first initially saw it and then he dropped some tracks from this this album coming up um absence of universe and they're really really strong it was like kind of stoner sludge metal type of thing with a with a with a rock and roll vibe with a motorhead vibe and and and, and all kinds of stuff going on they're really interesting and so i deep dived and it, it, there was a wealth of really quality stuff and then he he sent me jeff had sent me the album to listen to ahead of the of recording it and it and it was and it's superb it's really really strong and so you know it was nice to, to, to actually have a conversation with him and it's nice that the he was incredibly open he was incredibly open about recording as a one man band project and his health and the things that it, he was suffering with and his, his issues he had. And it was wonderful to see that this music that he was creating was his way of dealing with these things. And I got an immense amount of, it was very positive. The whole, I mean, he's from New York, so he's got a wealth of stories about the Ramones and CBGBs and, and places like that, which I really think you'll enjoy. Um, but more than anything, I just come away thinking, you know, fuck, that's amazing. Really positive and, uh, you know, encouraging way of looking at life and a great outlook and so i hope you get that this this podcast if anything i I like to encourage people to to do things that they enjoy the most and try and get themselves out of the comfort zone and try listening to different forms of music that they may have not listened to before we've talked about black metal on the show before this is kind of sludge almost if you will it's nice to experience new forms of, of music within the metal genre and then also to hear stories about people who get empowered by by this as well because I do when I listen to music it has a very positive effect on me it helps me through sadder times through darker times 
and it helps me through to happier times as well. It's been a, a continuing factor in my life. That's why I do a show about it. And it's always great to listen to someone else who's clearly has that same uh, it has that same effect on them. So please, uh, I hope you enjoy this. This is me sitting down with Titanosaur. Ladies and gentlemen, if the Spoken Metal Show had its own Jurassic Park, it would undoubtedly be headlined by my next guest, the fantastic uh, Titanosaur. How are we doing, Jeff? You all right, mate? Doing good. Doing good over here in New York. Yes, thank you. Yeah, all the way from New York, thanks to the wonders of technology. We can, we can chat. Uh, we've been chatting back and forth over the various social medias, and I got on to... Um, to your uh, music project uh, only only very late in the day. Normally, when I have guests on, I, I, uh, I'll have known something about them, but it was at that wonderful thing with yourself, mate, where I had to deep dive on all the albums before. <laughs> and it's a treasure trove. There's some great stuff on there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got a new album coming out. It's going to be coming out on the, uh, on the February the 4th. And so um, we'll get into that. That's Absence of Universe. And we'll, we'll get into that as soon as we can because there's some sure. great stuff on that album. But um, what we normally do on the show is, is start at the beginning for yourself, Jeff, um, and kind of really where you first hear music, even if it's not metal or heavy. What is your first sort of introduction to music? Um, well, I, um, uh, when I was a small child, I lived in, the, in, an, in a house with my grandmother, my uncles. Uh, my mother was a single mother at the time, um, and we were all in that house. And my uncles were only about... 15, 16 years older than me. So they had in the, in the 70s and 80s, they had a huge record collection. So I would go through their record collection um, and they would get really upset at me because I would have my small toy record player and I'd put their records on my toy record player. <laughs> but uh, that's how I learned and got into the Ramones, David Bowie, Sex Pistols. Um, they had Black Sabbath Paranoid album, that and Queen. That's how I got into Queen. Um, so that was the beginning. Um, my mother always played the Beatles and classical music in, in the house too. So I, I was always exposed to lots of different styles. Um, and in New York, I, I lived in Queens. I was, I grew up in Queens. Um, you really had a huge diversity of music there. You had rap was just coming up seventies uh, and eighties was just starting hip hop. Um, and in Queens you have run DMC beastie boys coming out of there. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, it was a huge, uh, variety of music that, uh, got me started, uh, when I was that, young. It's, it was, a, I mean, that is, you, you have to pick in all of history, one of the best places to be around. It's New York around that time, right? So that's going to be so many genres, let alone, uh, your heavy music and guitar based music. So many genres exploded, like, like CBGBs and, and all these fantastic things that were, were happening. That's a, that's an insane time. If you, I honestly think if you had to pick a time frame in history, that would probably be the one I would go for because there was so much important stuff going on. Did you, so, I mean, what age are you starting to listen to? Are you putting vinyl on and listening to it? Are we sort of single digits here or? So, yeah, I was, I was like maybe four or six when I was uh, yes. going through and maybe scratching up their albums. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, toy player, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, like uh, around that early of an age. Um, and then, uh, I don't know. I think it was, I was, I, I always picked 12. I don't know if everything happened when I was 12, but for some reason I always picked six and 12. So somewhere around 12 years old was when I was when I bought my first record on my own and that was ACDC, um, back in black. Yes. Um, so, 
And then uh, I joined here in the U.S. We had the Columbia Music House uh, um, Club where you could get, you know, tons of cassettes and CDs for a quarter. Um, So that's where I got Injustice for All from uh, Metallica, my first heavy metal uh, purchase. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those were the first albums that I bought myself. But, uh, yeah, when I was they were They were a curious little thing, those clubs, weren't they? We had them in in the UK. You would... To the listeners maybe not aware of this, there was a time when you would actually have to go to physical places and buy these things. And what companies would do would offer up the choices where they would send you at a reduced price their catalog and things from their catalog for you. And every month you would like a book of the month or whatever it may be, like an album of the month, and you would get this thing. And you you had no you had no knowledge sometimes of what you were going to get. They just sent you the best of what they were doing. And it definitely helped people get into music that they maybe hadn't heard before. So you listen to like, you know, Bowie and the Beatles and then uh, and Sabbath and stuff and then you get your first records back in black which is you know I think ladies and gentlemen we can understand now that the Jeffs has uh, completed all of his metal training now uh, and then and then you get uh, and then you get Justice for All that's quite a leap that isn't it because like you, you know is still rock and roll you know it's still kind of boogie it's, you know st- there's still elements of that but then you get like Metallica and you get like you know blackened and stuff like that and this is a quantum leap that must have been something when you first heard that well um at the same see in the 70s and 80s in new york you had tons of stuff going on so you had the music and then you had mtv starting um Mm. and my friend um he's like a brother and and we still get together uh now uh 40 years later um uh he he his family always had the latest uh cable and all that so i would go over to his house and watch mtv uh so that and and he was really into metal because his older brother was into metal yeah. so he he introduced me to anthrax to ozzy to uh um to kid well well i would go to his house and we would pretend to be gene and paul stanley of kiss and jump around the sure. uh, living room you know <laughs> listening to yeah. alive um so that's where i i learned about metal and that's where i, I started really getting into it and uh mm. then on mtv when i saw one uh, yeah, that music video that just blew my mind. Um, I'm really bad. Um, I, I believe it's been explained because of uh, being autistic. I'm really bad at remembering the order of things. At some <laughs> point, sure. at some point, there was also a music a music channel um, that uh, where you had to call and right. re- request yeah, yeah. songs. Mm. Um, you, you would call and pay like seventy cents or something. Um, and I used to do that every Friday night on my watching my grandmother's TV. And that's how I saw suicidal tendencies. And that's how I got into them. Yeah. And they were a huge thing for me. Um, but uh, yeah, when I bought that uh, and justice for all album, I was already introduced to other stuff. So. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's only now when you mention it, you talk about one, one comes up along the show. It's like, I suddenly of a watershed moment, certainly for Metallica and, and certainly for the music where there was a music video to go with it. You know, it was like a, it wasn't what you'd say a standard music video. It was just essentially them playing and, and, a, and a movie clip into the space. But it was like, you think about that album as well. That album's like, it's almost progressive. It's the length of the songs, what's going on with them, you know, lo- your instrumentals, you know, it's like it's this long sort of complicated songs like you know, straight end of sanity isn't a single you know what i mean it's not something you're hearing on the radio and then and and this was really well injected into into the psyche and what you talk about yeah you had to ring up and 
there was a toll to pay and you would you would vote through your songs and they were like okay this is the most voted song this week it's it's metallica's whatever whatever and and i just i find that fascinating it was a wonderful time where if you had to if you were into something you really had to commit if you liked something you're like well i'm gonna have to like you said religiously every week vote for my favorite and make sure my favorite song was was put on the radio that's it or on or on mtv as, as this is the case that did what, at what point did you start going to shows because they must be you if you were based in queens you are not too far to walk away from CBGBs and all these other places and even sort of, you know, the garden and what have you. So when did right. you start going to live shows? Well, um, so uh, the thing about Queens is if you look on a map, it's as if it's just a skip and a jump to Manhattan mm. uh, where CBGBs is. But if you live in Queens, you know that by car, it takes about half an hour. By right. subway that most of us had to travel at the time uh, with no license, it takes yeah. about an hour, hour and a half to get into Manhattan. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the very first show that I went to uh, was in 80. I think it was, I think I did the math and it was somewhere around 87, 1987. So I was about 12. I was actually in fact 12. Um, and the Ramones had just uh, replaced Didi with CJ and they were doing warm up gigs to start a tour with CJ. And they just happened to uh, choose the school gymnasium across the street from where I was at. <laughs> of course. And, <laughs> he did. and a friend of mine, uh, he somehow ended up volunteering at the show and he ran across the street and told me this is because it was a secret show. Nobody knew. And he yeah. told me because he knew I liked the Ramones and they're playing right now. And so I ran across. So that was my first show. And that's where I got introduced to slam wow. dancing, to everything all at once. That and must was have been mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Oh, absolutely. It was insane. Um, you know, I, I, I had been introduced to them. I knew about them, and I had listened to them, and I liked them. But it's totally different when you see them live. No, yeah, it's an entirely different prospect, that oh. live, where you get, like, 12 songs in as many minutes, and it's, like, it's that assault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get – and the societal side of it, like you say, the slam dancing and – and, and the whole sort of fashion that, that went with it as well. You know, you, you, everything's kind of exploded out onto you, isn't it? You know, that's incredible. I don't yeah. think many people will be able to beat their fair show than that one. I've had a couple of funny ones, but not. that's a very cool show. And I love but, that it's a, a, it's a very, it's a great New York uh, sort of <laughs> flex that you, that you, that you, if you traveled half an hour, that was a long time to travel uh, to a show. Like, cause it's up to some other people from the States. And because they have to go across states or whatever, it's like three hours to get across states or whatever in Texas. And and they're like, oh, yeah, you really have to get, you're like, I had to travel 30 fucking minutes on the fucking subway. But it's, yeah, I love that. But it's, I've been to CBGBs. It's not, it's, it's not a venue anymore. But it's like, right. a, it's a shop now. They sell like, you know, clothing and what have you. And the, th the thing that struck me was just how small it fucking is. It's tiny. It's fucking tiny. And I love that, that these venues existed within, uh, you know, within quite a close sort of proximity and let bands like the Ramones kept it real, if you will, and, and played like a warm-up show in a, in a school, you know, uh, sort of hall. I love that. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, later on when I was in college, so about 10, 15 years later, I, uh, I, I actually worked for them for a little bit during their last album uh, with their publicity company. Um, Wow. So yeah, Ramones are a huge thing for me. But did you uh, tell them when you did you did you when you met them? Did you tell them that, that, that no, was your first show? I also uh, before well, uh, I also interviewed uh, Johnny, and right. no, I didn't. I, I don't think I mentioned that at all. 
for, I was just really nervous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, sure. you know, I was like 19 years old or something. So, um, so in between sort of that 12 and the 19, when you kind of started to do things within it, within the business, then were you religiously going to shows then? Cause there's so many going on. I imagine once you'd seen one, you were like more, 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 you know? Well, I, I definitely was more, it wasn't religious, but I definitely saw my fair share. I mean, I saw the Ramones like five times. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but a, another huge show that I went to, uh, huge as in influential, but not huge as in the venue was a small, it was Lemoore's in Brooklyn and it was Sepultura on their Arise tour. Wow. And my friend knew that I was really into Sepultura. So he, he told me about it. And so, uh, so the thing is that again, on a map, Brooklyn is right next to Queens, <laughs> but to get there, <laughs> you have to go all the way into Manhattan and down to Brooklyn. So that was like a two hour trip on the subway. Uh, to get there and then at four o'clock in the morning we're coming back because right. uh, it was a long ass show in brooklyn and the trains are running maybe every half hour rather than every 10 minutes so you know four in the morning we're coming back and and that was a lot of fun in the going on the bus from the train all the way to his house with the sun coming up that was weird but uh <laughs> that was a that was a great show in a small venue and it blew my mind uh seeing sepultura do arise um, yeah it's 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 an interesting thing in in, in the states and certainly like in, in new york where um in the uk our train system basically ends around 11 half 11 so if you think sort of semantic semantically that means that you, you most bands have to finish their set by a certain time otherwise they're playing to fucking no one and, right. and it was very much the case like when when when, when metal was emerging that that changed where the slots were but in 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 new york that that kind of probably had an influence an influencing factor that you didn't have to worry about when the train was coming because you just stayed to the end of the show and maybe party afterwards as well like you say you you recover on the journey home you know Uh, it's one of those unique quirks about new york because it's it's a compressed environment it's it's almost like a pressure cooker because it's probably the better way to explain certainly Mm. for something like rap it just pressured everything we begin at this explosion of talents and, and and music i mean at this point are you picking up an instrument then or are you thinking about picking up an instrument uh well by by uh probably around 13 or 14 is when i got my first uh electric guitar and um yeah so that's when i started picking up an instrument before that i had an acoustic hmm. but what teenager wants to play acoustic uh it's just, <laughs> so <laughs> that didn't yeah. really go anywhere um, but once I picked up the electric uh, and I, my Fender Strat, which is which I still play today, um, that's when when everything opened up and learning how the Ramones were really just bar chords, uh, yeah. learning that. And then the next step after that was learning that Soundgarden was in drop D, uh, a lot of their songs. So when I learned how to tune to drop D, then I was like, that's it. I'm 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 yeah, done. I, I know everything I need to know. <laughs> I love it. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, when that magical moment where you tune down, you realize you can play bar chords and it's sound. And that's a, like for, for a young person discovering a metal, that's a, like a, that's the holy grail, isn't it, right there? You know, And a lot of bands, you know, Soundgarden is a good example. The many, many multiple tunings that they used with mm-hmm. Drop D being one of them. You know, you think of like um, Outshine being the classic example of that. That riff is exactly why drop beef was created you know um so yeah i mean are you are you at the point where you're going okay i want to play with other musicians now you're thinking I, I, this fulfills this but i'd like to have my dd and my people as well are you in that space yet 
So that, that definitely happened in high school. Um, when I was in uh, grade school, I was in a private school in an all boys school and I was completely out of my element. Uh, I was uh, low to middle class in New York and this private school was all these rich kids from Manhattan. Um, so, I, and I was the kid going to school with metal patches and everything. So starting bands then wasn't really happening. But then I moved, and uh, that's when I started trying to put bands together. And, and uh, yeah, um, you know, the, the basic high school here in, in the U.S., high school bands, uh, you know, it was more about fun than anything else. Which um, came first, though, at this point, I have to ask, which came first, the formation of the band or the buying of the white denim jacket? <laughs> <laughs> which uh, came first because if you because if you're in a high school and you see someone in a white denim jacket in that era that is a that is a flag being planted sir <laughs> well uh, well th that was the thing so i went to two so uh, high school is four years here um so the first two years i went in connecticut um and i'm a very shy person and so i had a lot of trouble getting to know people but i knew going in i could re remake myself so rather than a sports jacket and tie, I went to the first day of school with my my denim jacket <laughs> with the patches on, and I was immediately brought into the, I guess one would call them the stoner crowd at the time, the heavy metal head, the metal yeah, heads, yeah, yeah. Um, and they 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 embraced me, and I was in their group <laughs> immediately. Um, so yeah, you know it's 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 a uniform. Everybody knows who's who. It's, it it, it is. It tells it tells you everything. You need. So the, the back patch as well. Am I right in saying the back patch was was Megadeth's uh, P cells? Yes, the, the, the cover by the United States. That's a flex there, as the as 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 the younger crowd would say. That's it. You are throwing up your flag very clearly there. But I imagine then people come up to you and said, you know, well, I know he's into this music. He's probably into this as well. And that's when conversations about bands would probably start happening. I imagine. Well, maybe, but I'm okay. six nine, and I've been <laughs> six feet nine, so a little over two meters. Okay, uh, I've been like I've been this tall since I'm about sixteen years old. So, yeah, most people are. And back then, I had super long hair, so they were more intimidated by me than anything. Yeah, but Joe, no, the, Joey Ramone's pretty tall, though, right? You know, well, he's... basically, people thought I looked exactly like Joey Ramone <laughs> back then. That's not uh, a bad thing. No, no, I don't think so. It's a presence, you know. <laughs> but at the time, you were you were maybe like, oh, I don't, I, I almost, I'm almost kind of a little bit socially awkward with this. Like, oh, definitely. Then, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful, though, Jeff? Isn't it wonderful that one of your power sources is metal, is the music? You, I'm sure, at those times when you were feeling, you know, uh, that you were, you maybe a little bit of an outsider, a little bit ostracized, that you were empowered by the music to walk down the halls with the with the with, with the music in your ears it gives you a power it gives you something that you could be like well you know what i've got this and you know, i can hold on to this and that makes that music i believe even more powerful then because it's absolutely you know, you know something i believe in absolutely um if it wasn't for seriously uh the two albums by suicidal tendencies how will i laugh tomorrow and art of rebellion mm. i play, had those on cassette i played those constantly and those really got me through because I was definitely in a deep depression when I went the first two years of high school. So here yeah. uh, it would be uh, eighth and ninth grade, ninth and 10th, <laughs> first two years. Um, yeah. And they really helped me a lot uh, yeah. survive. Um, yeah. That and also uh, Megadeth's, uh, a few of the songs off of uh, 
not peace sells the one after that in my darkest hour that song yes yeah um so yeah um there's something about i don't know both the lyrics but also the 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 volume the intensity the energy in in those songs uh there's definitely something about it that that really uh delves that, that really hits a a chord inside because that's that's something that the the some people who are unfamiliar to the genre certainly don't understand. They see this loudness and this negativity and these like dark lyrics, and they assume that then that would breed negativity and darkness. And it doesn't work like that. It, it, it helps you. It goes okay. Well, this it, like Arch Rebellion is a perfect example. This this guy's talking about things that I agree with, and I feel this way. So if he feels that way, and I feel this way, and he's got in a band, and he's doing things, and he's getting through it, maybe I can get through it too. You know. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest sort of misjudgments that people make about, about this type of music. Uh, they don't really understand just how powerful, especially for someone like yourself, Jeff, who, who is going through, you know, various mental things as, as, as every young person does, you know, it becomes incredibly powerful. And like I say, it underscores the music itself. It means it's so important, especially during those formative years, those albums become real touchstones and really important parts of your life. So when you start to join bands, is it metal that you're playing? Is it rock and roll? What is it we're playing? Is it punk? Uh, yeah. So in, in Connecticut, it was more punk. Uh, it didn't really go anywhere. But what, once I got to uh, the last two years of high school, that was in upstate New York. And that's where I really met uh, the guys who really got me more into deeper into metal. And we would do covers, Motorhead, Danzig. Um, we tried some originals, but, uh, you know, they were didn't really know how to play that well so but uh yeah um th that's when we started to play and then we played uh that's when metallica's black album came out and we played enter sandman in the okay. in the in the talent show in the high school talent show sure. um but uh no the the real band thing really started in college when i started a heavy metal band called uh desvio desvio um, yeah so okay. that was really so that was sludge before sludge. Um, okay. It was because it was heavier because, yeah, I'm influenced by punk, heavy metal, um, and pop. So yeah. you, th th that's basically what stoner rock and stoner metal have become. That's what yeah. grunge was. It was a mixture mm. of all that blues and punk and yeah. heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so my I was a little heavy, too heavy for grunge. Um <laughs> too punk for metal so, so it's like and, and there was these six minute long songs and so yeah i played around manhattan uh for a few shows like that so those spare shows where where were they then in, in manhattan because you go from being talent show playing to go into a venue is an entirely different world so where were you playing in manhattan then? uh so Bars back, yeah back then there used mm -hmm. to be a lot of venues so you had you had cbgb's and for yeah, for for up and coming bands, you'd probably play like a Monday night when nobody right. was there, kind of thing, uh, kind of audition. Uh, but there was also places like the Spiral, the Bank, um, other places, pretty much all downtown Manhattan, um, the Pyramid. So played all those places uh, throughout the throughout college and throughout my twenties and out into Long Island and yeah, they're, they're pretty much bars. Um, some of them are bars, holes in the walls. Some of them are a little bigger, but uh, pretty much just a small stage where maybe you can fit a drum set and two people. Uh, <laughs> We've all been there. 
Yeah. Was it so this was like sort of early nineties. Um was this was the scene would you say the scene was strong in, in New York or was it still was it maybe already kind of past its peak and with metal and wait and, and awaiting the next peak? Uh you know, maybe grunge and, and stuff was, was just on to sanity around them. Was yeah, it so what was the scene like? Th- this was in the mid in the mid uh yeah, in the mid um mid to late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, um grunge was definitely metal was uh not very popular um it was more punk in new york it was more about punk and hardcore right hardcore was huge starting to get really big um and so yeah that's what you so um yeah i didn't really fit in i've never really fit in anywhere <laughs> i'm thinking about <laughs> that, that. Is, I really fit that is what this genre is all about it's, it is <laughs> nice though when you hear um like every so often it spills into metal like you say about punk and hardcore and you get bands like agnostic fronts and stuff like that but you get like biohazard you know you get biohazard from that and kind of spill just enough over they have like an, enough songs that, that the metal crowd go oh, actually you know it's like motorhead taught us that punk was was cool you know that you could like punk you know that it was okay they were friends they were they were part of the cause we were all part of the same army you know and you know as much as we you know didn't we never felt accepted metal i don't ever think is most uh, metalheads don't ever feel truly accepted there was that wonderful moment when you're walking down the road and and saw another metalhead and you instantly had that thing it's and it still exists I, I think it's a wonderful thing that i don't believe any other other genre of music has where you know what you wear your, your, your battle vest or your battle jackets or whatever your t-shirt you wear almost is still a uniform for one for a, a terrible word but it, it also means i stand for this i believe in this i believe in these things and i'm probably going to be on the same wavelength as you i think that's a beautiful sentiment to, to have um yeah. ladies and gentlemen those that are listening now i have the world's worst voice but jeff has a beautiful voice I, have you been a dj at some point were you were you playing songs on the radio as well yes yes i have been a dj i do voiceover acting as well Yes. Can't you tell, ladies and gentlemen, he has the <laughs> absolutely beautiful dulcet tones there. Um, so how did you, how did you, what was your, the DJ stuff? Tell me you were DJ metal and you weren't forced to DJ music you didn't like. Tell me it was metal. No, yeah, and in college I was a DJ and uh, I was also the music director for metal and industrial music. Oh, yeah. So I was DJing then and uh, and interviewing bands back then. So wow. yeah, I got to I got to interview I got to interview uh, Motorhead. I got to interview Sound. Uh, no, not Soundgarden. Uh, Marilyn Manson, uh, uh, Ramones, Monster uh, Monster Voodoo Machine. Uh, tons of bands that were coming out at that time. Um, so yeah, th- those were fun times. Yeah, Depress- that's depressing a, that's a pretty, but fun. <laughs> yeah, I've run out of time to interview these day, those type of people. So then, when does when does this iteration of yourself sort of come? Uh, this sort of uh, titanosaur when does that kind of start how far are we away from that well um would, i would really say that it started with uh the ray gun girls so i was in this uh i had created this gothic industrial um heavy band uh, in about 2003 with a friend of mine um and um it was just the two of us we were just going to record but the album the first album we put together we really loved and I needed to play it out live. So that's when I started putting, bringing people in and, and trying to make a live band. So we became a live band. And over the years, um, it got more guitar oriented rather than electronic oriented. Um, and that lasted until about 2009 when I had my third heart surgery. 
And then that heart surgery basically was the last time I could play on a stage. Mm. Uh, so then I was stuck because I've always made music. Music is me. I'm music. So what do I do now? And luckily, uh, technology at that time had started already, gotten, had already gotten to the place where you could do it at home. Um, GarageBand on the Mac was, was uh, a robust enough program uh, to be able to use, and it was free. Um, so that's when I started recording on my own. Uh, and I've been recording on my own with Titanus, with uh, the Raygun Girls uh, up until about last year when I started concentrating mostly on Titanus and titanosaur so so that's really dark stuff it's heavy i i I sort of put myself in a box with that but i've got this other side that i really wanted to do stuff with um so that's when i started titanosaur in about 2017 i started recording songs for it and uh 2018 put out the first uh titanosaur album yeah so I, I would suggest I'll put a, lot, a whole bunch of link, links as, uh, after we've done the show to, to but people should te- check out the Reagan Girls as well. I think there's there's a, there's a lot to love there as well, um, and it's it's interesting you say that that was one thing and that was a box and you needed to go and do some other things. And I think that if I had to explain it probably really poorly to the listeners is that it, it, you can imagine the Devon Townsend project is incredibly open and it can go a million different ways. Titanosaur could be a character that Devin Townsend would lean into. It's that type of thing where this, particularly this newest album, goes in a few different directions. It's got a nice base, but it does go, you know, quite a few sorts of interesting directions. And we'll get into that in a minute. It's interesting as well, you know, reading about yourself and and the things you had, the problems you, you had with your heart as someone else who has also had problems with his heart that, I, I, I can't imagine this that you know because you weren't able to play it live how difficult that was to take as a, as a, as a person to take on board that you know to, someone who anybody that plays an instrument ladies and gentlemen will tell you that live is most of the gig is that it's great playing in the bedroom but live is an energy that cannot be replicated to have that taken away must have been must have been a real blow death if it, if it can be completely honest oh absolutely definitely it, it's 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 a totally different thing uh, playing in a room to a computer and nobody else is here than it is on a stage uh, with the, the whole band sound coming behind you and uh, then the crowd coming in front of you. Um, so, yeah, it, it is totally different and it was a big blow, but it was one of those things that, well, this is better than nothing. So that's where I concentrate on. And I play it really loud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got I've got my speakers in my little space here, and I play it really loud. Um, so that's as close as I can get, um, and that's that's been my uh, that's been how I've been able to placate my need. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I'm unfortunately um, getting to a point where my heart issues are potentially making it difficult to even sing now. Um, I keep running out of breath while I'm talking now. Um, And that is a huge, that was even a bigger blow because singing is definitely, I mean, playing the guitar and hearing the crunch is definitely takes care of part of the emotion that you need to get out. But if you're a singer feeling that air and those emotions and that sound vibrate in your chest, that's even more uh, satisfying and massive to be able yes. to get that out. Yeah. Espe- especially crazy. the way that I sing for Titanosaur. 
Yeah, it's like so, like because as a guitar player myself, that you know, the, the, you can get that feeling from feedback and the noise and the, you know, the, the tactileness of playing an instrument. That's that is fabulous, but singing is inside. You know, the, your, the vocal cords are inside; they're not outside. Mm-hmm. They're inside. It's part of your whole being. Your, your lungs. It's part of your whole thing, and it's a, it's a, it's a feeling that cannot be replicated on on the outside. Something you feel very internally. And so, yeah, that must have been. But what's interesting is, I think, and I, I, I always want to see this as you have, and in, in a very positive light, is that the music that got you to this point is going to help you get past and past and past. It's going to help you move forward. You, you know, as much as you were, I imagine, despondent about not being played live, you were like, okay, well, I'll just put this hat on now and find another way to let this music come out, which is, a, I think, is an incredibly powerful message because. What I've, I've listened to the, 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 the Titanosaur stuff as well is there's you can hear all that. I can hear pissed off. Mm. I can hear anger. I can hear all that. And instead of being you know negative about it, you place it in the music. I'll powerfully expel these things that are on my mind and concerning me, and do it in this sense because initially, and if I'm not completely honest, as I always try to be, Jeff, when I first saw it, I see you with a dinosaur head on and and this crazy characters, and I'm thinking. How, what, what is this? What, how we, do we interpret this? And then I listened to it and it really blew me away. There's, it's, it's great. And, and we'll talk about the album uh, as we will upcoming now. But it is good. But if you listen to the lyrics and what's going on, there's a lot to pull from that. A lot of positive energy about overcoming an adversary. And I would strongly recommend that when people listen to it, especially on Spotify and whatever, they read the lyrics as well because I got a lot from that. I was like, there's more here than an amusing caricature. There isn't that, that, that is very surface. There's a lot more going on. And so uh, did it help doing the albums? Did you feel some kind of catharsis of, of, of doing the albums yourself? And the first one you complete going, I've done that myself. And now I can put that out there. Um, well, th- there's definitely a, a sense of satisfaction, especially uh, learning, being able to learn how to, properly uh make the uh sound mix well um so when it's like uh when i've got all the songs together and i've got all the levels right and i'm able to go to the car put it on and hear that bass hear that crunch hear those vocals and it all i feel in the same spot that if i put on say corrosion of conformity or or a suicidal tendencies album in the car when i feel it in that same spot then that is super satisfying that I'm able to do that. I, I and, love that you go to your car to listen oh, back. I, absolutely. I fucking love that. I love that because that is exactly right. I was told by, 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 I'll just drop a name for a second. But I saw by Dweezil Zapper himself that, that when Eddie came over to his house to play in the new Van Halen record, I think this might have been um, one of the later ones. They said, okay, let's just do it. This is it. This is Zappa's house. So he's obviously got the best studio in the world, but they go and sit in the car to listen to it. And I was like, that's fucking epic because that's how that's how everybody listens to it on the way to work, the yeah. long journeys. That's how people are listening to record. If it doesn't work in a car, ladies and gentlemen, it is not a good record. It is it is as simple as that. I love that you went to your car to listen to it. I think that's ace. Absolutely. For for me, it has to sound good in the car and it has to yeah. sound good through headphones. So yeah, there's a little yeah. sweet spot where, where it works for both. Um, yeah. And yeah, absolutely. You know, if it makes you want to drive really fast with the windows down, then you've got a good song. Like, like, like Lenny said, you know, they made music, great music to drive into the side of an, uh, a, a wall for like, you know, a side of <laughs> yep. a bridge, I think we said, a concrete bridge. Yeah. And it's exactly right. That's what, that's what the music's there for. So then, 
a lot of people will have uh, will heard some snippets of this new album. So a new album comes out uh, February fourth, this Friday. Uh, you know, Absence of the Universe, and so we were the three tracks that have gone up now was my, my first initial introduction, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, I think probably the Mountains probably my favourite from that, and it's probably what I would say it's a good touchstone. But there's so much more going on in this record. Uh, you know, for me, it's not even it's not even the top three songs on the record. It's like uh, Needed Order for me. That's thrash, that is. I don't care what anybody says, that's thrash and I love it. Um, so what was, the, what was the aim with this particular record? Did you want to kind of legitimately go in a couple of different directions and set yourself spinning on? You could go, because there's a lot going on. There's not, it's not just heavy stuff. There's like, you know, all kinds of sort of bong. Is it bongos on Miles to go? There's all kinds of lovely percussion stuff going on there. It's fantastic. Right. So in the, uh, in the EP that I put out in July uh the through the swamp records label um that one i really wanted to do something that i've been hoping to do for a long time which is try to combine heavy heavy chunk and latin rhythms so that's where i started bringing in the latin percussion um and uh that worked really well so i brought that into this album and tried to push a little further um so i also in this year and a half of being in the stoner rock, stoner metal community, I've really begun to realize that I was starting to put myself in a box again and that I didn't need to. And that actually had I marketed that this is just a side, a side, (laughs) a little bit of a side, had I marketed the Ray gun girls as stoner metal back then, I would have gone further with that. But the point, the point being that, Titanosaur doesn't have to just be uh, guitar, bass, drums. Mm. It can be a little bit more than that. So, um, so that opened up uh, some space, and um, yeah, I wanted to try a couple of different things. So, like the mountain is is a different time signature. Um, I think it's five four, and then there's a five, song four, called yeah. "So Happy," which is three four, um, which uh, you know it's not a huge departure from four four, which is the standard for just about every song out there. But it's departure enough for me right now because <laughs> yeah. I still I had to count while I'm playing <laughs> to figure <laughs> out where I was. Um, so, but uh, yeah, and, and then like miles to go, it, I, I like to have something in the middle of mm. of because you got this loud loud guitars, banging drums, uh, angry songs, and then I gotta have a rest. Yeah. Um, so in most of the albums, I have something like that somewhere around the middle. Um, yeah. And that's usually where I like to bring in some other, either an acoustic guitar or organ. In I don't thing. know. I, I don't know if we're, we're missing that in, in time of modern metal. I, I hear it sometimes, but not maybe all all the time. I remember, I was listening back to um, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, yeah, a couple of days ago, and about halfway through the album, there's the song Fluff, which is like this kind of beautiful or, or, or um, sort of acoustic type of thing with like keyboards and, and, and it's mm. beautiful and I, I do miss that sometimes that you know we don't you know when you listen to a metal album yes it's nice to have those things but it's nice to have a nice balance i think sabbath did that really well you know with you kind of had like you say those moments of okay deep breath now we go back into those things you know and it, and it almost it, it almost made the heavier stuff heavier because you'd go from this lovely quiet section to this really really loud section it was a dynamic and I think probably one of the reasons we might have lost that is because of streaming music now. You only hear one song at a time, whereas you were meant to hear that as a lull, almost as a, the whole album's a song, if you will, you know. 
Um, but, so that's yeah. I've always found that interesting when I, when I, when I hear that uh, with artists putting that in that you think about the flow of the record and you think that it's going to be listened to consecutively. You know, um, absolutely, and, yeah. I think I know. Obviously, the, the a live thing is 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 not possible. But and I know you've talked about. Are you going to be doing a live YouTube show then on the launch? So uh, yes. Um, so I put it in quotes live because <laughs> it's me playing yeah. three instruments. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. playing. Um, so I, I've I've recorded myself playing it uh, on video, and then so it, it is actually me playing it live. It's not you know, uh, edited and cut up and, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. affected all that. Um, so I record myself three times playing different, in- the different instruments and singing. So I will be streaming that. Um, yeah. On the release on February 4th through the Titanosaur YouTube channel. So that's, that's exciting. And it was fun to be able to, to play half an hour straight. It was tough, especially when I just did the bass this morning. Um, Cause my, my situation has been getting a little worse daily. Um, so it was a little tough today doing the nice. bass, but, uh, yeah, so I've got the, got it all there. I was hoping, um, to have a drummer as well. Um, cause my friend doc who had worked with the Ray gun girls, he had offered and he was ready to do it, but, uh, it just didn't work out. He didn't have enough time. So unfortunately that's not happening, but maybe down the line it will, we'll see. But, uh, I think yeah, it's, so- um, as, as we kind of, kind of wrap thing, things up a little bit I, I think it's lovely and beautiful which is two words you're not really hear on a metal podcast but i think it's beautiful and lovely that the music that excited you as a child that then brought you through high school that gave you uh, opportunities during college that really ignited over you know uh, your teenage years is now something that's you know really helping you with life you know and helping you get through life yeah, I think that's a very beautiful sentiment. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen the cover art uh, for Absence of Universe, is uh, Titano literally in space punching a heart, uh, which I, I which I think is the best way to say to deal with this uh, to any kind of reason. I think, fuck you, I'm going to go into space and punch you out. <laughs> that, I, I thought that was a fucking great sentiment. But it's wonderful that it, it's that thing is, is, is basically get, helping you get through this you know, uh, uh, and get to a, a much better place, hopefully. I think that's a really great sentiment uh, to, to take from the whole thing. Yeah, well, uh, most of the lyrics, um, selfishly, I guess, writing for myself. Yeah. To, 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 to give myself uh, uh, some positivity to look forward to. Um, yeah. The song, I Will Live Forever, on this new album. Um, in, it's just, it's interesting. In July, I, w- I released uh, the EP, and as I was releasing it, I was in the hospital for the same heart stuff that I'm dealing with now. Um, so they were able to deal with it then. And now six months later or whatever, I'm having that issue again. So <laughs> when the album's going to be released, but I wrote, I will live forever right after getting out of the hospital from that um, yeah. as a sort of way of like, and in the lyrics you see, you can hear, I'm saying uh, that the song, this song will live forever. These, these words. Yeah. Um, yeah will live forever um and so that that's that's sort of my yeah in, in all the songs there's a little bit there for me to grab onto like i'm gonna keep moving forward yes which is you know which is all you know all metal has ever been about is is overcoming adversity and and 
challenging and, and pushing forward. We're, no one's going to be here forever, but the work we leave and the artistic endeavours that we uh, that we produce will, that someone will listen to this record, large amounts of this record, ladies and gentlemen, is about inner struggle, as metal is, uh, inner turmoil, fighting with yourself sometimes, you know, with your own body, in the, as in this case. And it's, and, it, and it's something that, you know, that as someone will listen to this record, Jeff, I guarantee you, like you listen to the Ramones and gone, you know what? Or, or you, uh, I, I'm, they're going through the same thing that I'm going through and listen, he got through it, so I'm going to get through it. And that's the other thing is that as much as this is for you, what's beautiful is that this is going to be for everybody. You know what I mean? There will be someone listening there who's got, you know, who has the health issues and they go, you know what? Fuck it. Je Jeff brought out an album where the cover is literally a, 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 a dinosaur punching his heart and he's going to fucking and he is and he will live forever I'll, spoilers for you Jeff yeah this will live forever now because of the way the internet works which is brilliant oh. um, listen thanks thanks for coming on the show um, I really enjoyed this I think I'll get you on again I'm going to tune into this show just so you know no pressure I will be tuning in on the, on the YouTube stream because I want to see it I want to see it uh, I, I want to hear it again and I want to see the extra step it is of seeing someone still playing it like I was going to try and cop out some of the guitar tones as well, because they're fucking wicked. So I'm going to try and see if we can see how you're doing those. So I might try to be copping at your gear and what have you like. But um, ladies and gentlemen, what an absolute pleasure it was to talk to, uh, to Titanosaur. Thanks for coming Thank on you. the show, Bob. Thank you very much. That was me talking to the wonderful Titanosaur. And, you know, as much as we... Yeah, that, that was that was funny and enjoyable and, and entertaining. More than anything, it was incredibly powerful and positive and, and empowering i thought i you know listening to listen to what he had to say and how he was dealing with the things going on in his life and how he dealt with it and music was a big part of that i thought was absolutely superb and i hope you did too i hope you got, got that uh that positivity that came across i'm sure it did what a wonderful voice jeff has as well easily much better than my own what a wonderful voice i'd like to do more shows with him as well i think uh, that'd be that'd be great he has a, obviously the album comes out this Friday, Absence of Universe. I suggest you you check it out. Obviously, you should be you should download this album and buy this album uh, uh, on on Bandcamp. Obviously, you should do that. But also, he's going to be doing like a, a live show in inverted commas, as we talked about, where he's going to be playing this live and talking to people on online as he does it. I'll be I'll be tuning in myself for that because I want to hear these uh, these songs m myself. I also want to try and figure out some of his guitar tone secrets because he has a fantastic guitar tone, like I said in the show. But it was great to sit down with him. I, I thought it was it was it was absolutely superb. But aside from the music, the story itself of what he was doing and, and his journey through music, I found incredibly interesting and, like I say, incredibly empowering and positive. And they're always great shows to do. Uh, once again, thanks for listening, and I will see you at the show.